Hello, and welcome to This Movie is Gay, a podcast that takes apparently heterosexual films and breaks down why that is in fact not the case. I'm Haley. I'm Emma. And this week we have one of my favorite movies, 1992 Penny Marshall film, A League of Their Own. Another oft-requested um, fan suggestion. It feels weird mm-hmm. to call people fans. Listener. Yeah. I won't go so- Listen- I won't- I won't assume your feelings about us. You might be hate listening. <laughs> Judge, judgment listening. Yeah, like sense of obligation or duty, but we appreciate it either way. We do. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, and it's, it's uh, once again, in terms of like movies that are apparently straight, uh, I mean, barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is a nominally, a nominally not queer film, A League of Their Own, starring uh-huh. Gina Davis, Lori Petty, very young Tom Hanks, very young mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna, mm-hmm. our friend of the pod, Bill Pullman. It is a friend veritable pod, checklist of like random 90s celebrities. Mm. Um, and let's see what else. It has been added to the Library of Congress's National Film Registry as a culturally or historically significant film. Fascinating. Which is- is it? I mean, it's more, you hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it each of all of these years. This was like the perfect, people have been telling me to watch it for years, of course. Um, I'm sure because of the gay vibe-ness that you say, know, we'll get into, which is why we're here. Of, not because of the baseball. <laughs> not because of the baseball. Um, no, people have been telling me to see it for years. I, I missed it as a kid. It was an, it's another one of those ones where like pretty much no sports things like penetrated the like you know sphere of my childhood at all except except Bennett like Beckham our other lady (laughs) only lady example in the roster so far um but I saw that in high school and no I never ran into this one and it just was like never the right moment and I never watched it so I was like thrilled so everything that other people I make it a beloved classic that like other people love about it I suppose were like grand surprises for me this week when I was watching it and I was like Madonna's here Oh, my favorite part was when you texted me, there's no crying in baseball. And I was like, that is the famous yeah. line. You have indeed pinpointed. I found it. Um, yeah, but it was, it was a delight to realize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the most famous line because organically when you're watching the movie, it's one of the greatest moments. Absolutely. And I mean, I will talk about this, I'm sure. But one, I think one of the biggest surprises for me as a total newcomer was never in have I seen Tom Hanks play the asshole. Yeah. I mean, like... A redeemable character, obviously, but like, you know, an undeniably assholey entrance and assholey first third of the film, at least. So I was like, well, because, you know, when you see Tom Hanks and, you know, you think about Tom Hanks in the kind of cultural zeitgeist or whatever, he's very young and most of that reputation probably didn't exist, you know, yet when the film was being made. But when Tom Hanks rocks up, you're like, oh, good wholesome vibes. America's dad is here. America's dad. And then America's dad as a young man, America's brother. And then he like turns out, you know, I mean, then he rocks up and does like the longest piss in the world, which was also a surprise. And I was like, wow, okay. He's a dick today. That's it. That's unusual for me. There's a vibe. Yeah. There's a vibe here. Yeah. No, it's a great, it's a great movie. I can't remember when I first saw it, but I was relatively young. Um, and the reasons it was recommended to me are so on brand <laughs> that like, I'm almost embarrassed to say them out now loud in public. To. I know mm-hmm. it was literally, it was, um, it was someone, it was, I think it was like a babysitter. Like it was someone <laughs> older than me who was like, have you ever seen this movie? And I was like seven or eight. And I was like, no, she was like, you should watch it. I feel like you would really connect to Kit because me That's- and my sister's relationship, especially at that time, like was Kit and Dottie. Um, <laughs> But then also because Kit is like gay, and <laughs> like she's not red, she full is. of rage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no. So that was it. Was just like you seem like the really angry sister who's mad about how perfect your sister is. Maybe you should watch this movie and like work through some of those feelings. Was like That's... literally the source of the recommendation. And did it help? I doubt it. <laughs> it is a great movie, though. It is. It is. It's really another one with a with a powerful 80s soundtrack. We've been living in that space and we've been, li- we've been living in that space for a while and will again, you know, of uh, coming from The Outsiders, which has that crazy song, that like ballad that was written for it in the opening credits. And then League of Their Own doesn't quite have that, but it has some big bombastic like sort of 80s moments. And I was like, here we are. 
It does have like a theme song, you know, back in the day when that was like a thing you had. Totally. Yeah. Well, before we go into it anymore, we should probably do a quick plot summary as we are wont yes. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we begin with a part of the movie I always skip, a framing device <laughs> in which it is the 1980s and we see some women sort of gather, like for, we see like this older woman, she's sort of reluctantly kind of being told to go to this event that she doesn't want to go to. And we find out that it is the sort of, they're going to the Baseball Hall of Fame to see the inauguration of like an egg, an exhibit about mm-hmm. the American Girls Baseball League. And we find out that she played for it and like she's like reuniting with all of her old teammates. Um, and it sort of fades from there into the 1940s where we meet Kit and Dottie, two sisters from Oregon, my beloved home state. Um, I'm excited. I was so excited for you when that happened. I was like, it's Oregon. <laughs> I was waiting for you to text me about that, actually. Oh, well, I'm doing it now. <laughs> Whenever anything is said in Oregon, it's like my personal business to know all about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we meet Kit and Dottie. Kit, Gina Davis, no, Dottie, Gina Davis is the older sister. She's like beautiful. She's super talented. Kit, Lori Petty is the like scrappy younger sister, like not, you know, less beloved, less impressive. And they are scouted while playing for the baseball team of the dairy that they work at to come try out for the All-American Girls Baseball League, which is being founded to sort of provide some sports while the men are away in World War II. Um, And so after some negotiations, the scout only wants Dottie. She sort of like convinces him to let Kit come too. They set off and they, you know, go to try out. They pick up this very unfortunate girl, Darla, who's very Marla? shy. And- Marla, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who's very shy and awkward and, uh, but amazing at her. playing. She's the best. And they all sort of, you know, gather in this big field and try out for the team. Dottie and uh, Marla and Kit all make the same team. They're Oxford Peaches. And Basically, the rest of the movie is just, like, the course of the first season of play. There's, like, various complications in the form of, like, oh, the league's not doing very well. Maybe it'll shut down. So they sort of go on this campaign to, like, play in this really flashy way to, like, get attention. Mm -hmm. And by the time they kind of build up to the playoffs, uh, the league is a big success. But sort of in the course of this, um, Kit and Dottie continue to have like a really contentious relationship and Kit gets traded to another team. It's like another situation where Dottie's like, I want to leave, but instead they trade away Kit and that just sort of exacerbates the sort of tension between them. Cause once again, people have chosen Dottie over Kit. Um, there's stuff about the various women's husbands who are away at war. One woman's husband dies. Um, and shortly after that, Dottie's husband comes back from the like Pacific theater or wherever he is. And she decides like, I'm not going to play anymore. I'm going to go back with him. Um, which you sort of get the sense is like, I mean, we'll talk more about this. It's a very weird and badly motivated moment to my mind, but it's sort of a combination of like, she has weird vibes with Jimmy Dugan, which who is the other sort of subplot. That's the Tom Hanks character. He's this like alcoholic ex player who they've brought into coach. And he goes from like, not really giving a shit to like caring kind of more and more about the sport and the girls and like actually trying um, and gets in, like, this sort of, like, competitive slash flirtatious vibe with Dottie, who sort of has, like, also taken over as the coach of the team while he was busy <laughs> not caring. Um, they have, like, this very kind of intense goodbye that's a mix of, like, you have to play baseball slash, like, there's vibes here, which is never said and never kind of becomes a thing, which is, like, frankly, remarkable restraint for a 90s movie. Yeah. Um, she goes, changes her mind, comes back. They face Kit's team in the playoffs or in the World Series. Um, and then in the end, it's like, you know, uh, Dottie's the catcher, Kit's up to bat, and Dottie sort of goes to the pitcher and is like, a like recurring theme is like, oh, you have to give, what is it, is it a high one or a fast one? I was, a high one. A high one, yeah. Can't hit him, can't let him go because she like knows Kit so well. She's, willing to kind of use her knowledge of her sister's weaknesses to like screw her over one last time. Kit, oh. There's like, she's a home run. Dottie catches the ball. There like is a massive collision on the plate and Dottie lets the ball go. Or do, And I think it's, we can discuss this later as well. It's, I think it's a question of, does she do it on purpose or is it knocked out of her hand? But basically Kit scores the winning run. Her team wins. 
And then it just sort of winds down. Dottie's like, I'm not going to come back and play anymore. Kit's like, this is my life. I'm going to do this forever. And then we sort of fade back to the bad framing device and <laughs> the women all sort of are older and like now we know who these characters are and we meet them and Kit and Dottie see each other for what is suggested to be the first time in many years. And it just kind of ends with a sense of like, oh, look, we did a thing and now there's a museum about it. <laughs> it's a very, yeah. I hate the framing device. Like, I think I just want to begin with that. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, it was interesting. I will say that it provided like, because I didn't know the story and because I'm one of the last people alive who was like, I think I know that this is about baseball, but not a lot else. You know, it was like a little bit intriguing, but also it's pointless because you spend... So it's a little intriguing at the beginning and then at the end, uh, the casting of the older versions of the characters <laughs> is quite good. So even before you find out who um, uh, Doris and May are in the older times, you know that it's them. You know what I mean? And right. like, I don't know, something about that is a little Thwarted bit by excellent casting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is very is good it casting. It's not them in makeup. It's, it's definitely it's not, other actors. I think it must be the, I mean, the, the Dottie is definitely an actress, obviously. And the, and yeah. the, and the kit, the kit one confused me because it looked so much like her. I'm actually not sure. I'm looking it up um, right now. Yeah. It, the kind of things that if we did real research, we would know. Listen, you know, they don't come to us for research. The no, ones they that are. Come. They are different are they? people. Yeah. They're different people. Yeah. It's really well cast. And so there's something kind of satisfying about that. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't do anything to the story except literally in the truest sense, put it in a frame. It's just like, I don't know. It ha it has, I think it lends, it's what, it's what is sort of, I guess, meant to legitimize the like, this is a historical, it's like a historical landmark plate on a house the framing device, you know, it's just like, and right. look, it became of cultural significance. Right. We know it's just girls, but it does matter. And that right. just is sort of depressing as a yeah. kind of vibe to give into or like, yeah. yeah. It's that, it's that kind of nostalgia trick of like, look what happened in the forties. And I guess uh, as I think I texted you when I was watching it, maybe part of the, what, what I find interesting about the framing device, and we'll have to talk about Dottie and Dottie's arc and Dottie's kind of conflict to really get into what the framing device means about it. Because what's interesting to me about it was, does the beginning and ending with her in her older life complicate our sense of the choices she made to leave the league? And do mm. we feel, because of the framing device and the way that it's used to deepen her storytelling, do we think that the filmmakers are trying to make it, are trying to tell us a story about it being, does it make it feel more like the right choice or more like the wrong choice? Like what are her, how does it complicate her feelings about, about what she did? Is That's my really question. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think that kind of leads us into a framing device of our own, which is the sort of question of this movie, which is a little different than the other movies we've talked about so far, because yeah. obviously what we've, kind of done so far is most of the movies, all of the movies really that we've talked about have a sort of central couple, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and the queer vibes come from a sense of a kind of sublimated or metaphorical romance between two characters. Yeah. And this movie doesn't have that. Um, and like, obviously there's a level on which it's like, <laughs> girls playing baseball is gay. That's what lesbians do. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that is purely the source of everybody's, you know, yeah, wanting to suggest this movie and this movie coming up on like every list you can dream of, of like queer movies about women, etc. Which it does, which is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think there's more to it than that. I do too. I think it's actually, this is actually going to be a really exciting discussion because it's easy to frame a conversation around a romance, even if it's like, as you say, a sublimated, you know, tension thing, whatever. But this is, I feel like what we're here to do is to discuss what, is it just baseball's gay or like what, <laughs> what about the energy of the film and like the lives of these women and like the things that they want and are trying to do and all of that. What about it is gay besides just the baseball? Like structurally, what really are the kind of like tests and conflicts and choices, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think maybe since I've already pointed to one of them, 
maybe we should start by talking about Kit. Yes, let's. Because I think that she is a big factor in the vibes of this uh, movie. Huge. The unloved, inferior feeling, and kind of on some level genuinely inferior when it comes to like talent, etc. younger not, sister. Not feminine enough. That's explicit right away. Like yeah, she, right away. She's filled with like kind of aimless rage all the time. Is aimless rage gay in a world where Gina Davis is your older sister and she's that beautiful? Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I don't know. There's a line really early that now I can't quite remember about um, just about the, I don't know. It's like when they're playing baseball for the dairy right in the beginning or something, like the way that kid is treated by men watching and stuff and like the kinds of things that people shout at her and whatever, like it's very clear that she's not people watch Dottie play because she's like beautiful and also really good at, good at everything. And that's why she gets scouted. But kid is like explicitly not womanly enough for the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff, um, which is like true to history. And I think intersects with the question of queerness in a really interesting way that isn't in the mm-hmm. film, but like is present in the kind of, aura around it um where there's basically like a makeover montage early in the movie where the girls have to take once they're on the teams they all sort of have to get their hair done and like take Mm. these like etiquette and like elocution and like dance lessons and like really just sort of make themselves into ladies and kit is one of the characters who is depicted as like seriously struggling and like there's this like sort of horrible part where like the matron is like going down the line and kind of evaluating all the girls and she sees you know dotty and she's like oh yes lovely and she sees what's her name like helen like the blonde yeah. one and is like oh beautiful yes yes and like may oh ooh, a little tacky but yes and then it's like you get to like doris um mm-hmm. doris and may are like best friends from new york who are like on the team as well um she gets to doris and marla and kit and it's like ooh. You three. (laughs) (laughs) And like she's sort of lumped in with the like, you, oh, this is going to take some work. This is Uh, awkward. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Which was um, at the time, I mean, that was true. They did that. And even then, one of the, the, the reason they women had they had to wear makeup they had to wear the skirts they had to wear their hair long because they were afraid of people thinking that the players were gay and if there were players that were in relationships and if the league found out that two players were even suspected to be in a relationship they would split them up and put them on different teams so like wild the fear of baseball seeming so fucking gay was like embedded in the rules of the league right right and you know the uniforms are insane. I yeah. mean, like, they're very cute, but they're mini skirts. They're insane. And again, it's like the whole look is like explicitly designed not just to be feminine, but to be like straight. It's and so like there's really femme. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, obviously, like, this isn't as explicitly or even implicitly addressed in the film, but like in the sort of history surrounding it, it's like not only like failing that kind of lineup moment is like, oh, mm-hmm. you seem too butch. So you can't play. Or just like you, we got to fix this. Well, it's like the moment when, so that the moment when um, Marla gets recruited, when they're on their way to the, you know, field or whatever, and the girl, the sisters are with the scout who like, sidebar is one of the funniest characters. There's always one of those in a movie about the 40s. There's like a really wise talking, but sort of like pathetic guy with a cigar. I loved that guy. I was like, what a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they recruit He talks Marla, like this and he's yeah. like- Come on, it's girls. Like a, it's a cartoon 40s voice. See? Yeah. It's one of those. Do you want to um, come with me or do you want to go back to Oregon? Yeah. You know, he just like shows up in their dairy and is like, it's just so funny. But um, when they stop to get Marla, it's one of my favorite sort of moments because they're in like a big warehouse and over, they just sit in the corner and watch her over and over from very far away. So we haven't seen her close up yet. Uh, hitting balls like high and like way far through the windows of this like <laughs> warehouse building and so like one after another she just busts windows out and, and then you kind of hear her very quietly like sorry yeah and it's like so cute but you're like damn like the implication is like damn like that's intense like she's real good and the scout is like excited and everybody's like she's really good and then he goes closer to her 
mm-hmm. to talk to her. And then the camera gives you the first like look at Marla. <laughs> and she's this like incredibly awkward woman with she's got this like, like stringy hair and really, really bad over. hair. Yeah, and she's got, like, just, like, a very awkward face and kind of demeanor and is, like, very hidden under a ball cap because clearly her dad knows that she's mad awkward and is trying to kind of pass her off. And the scout is going to leave without her because I'm sure he has his, like, you know, remit and they're not looking for girls who look like that. And it's Mm -hmm. only because Dottie and Kit, like, fight the corner. They're like, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you, you know? And so it's so interesting because they happen to be there and be like, no, she's great. Take her. And it's just interesting that they show you that so early in the movie of like, because he says, he's like, she's really good, but she's not what we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, I think they explicitly call him out. I think even it's Kit who's like, what? Because she's not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. They do say that. And so he sort of gets guilted into taking her and then she does make it on the team. And then in another sort of moment slash character arc ending, that's very far from the ending of the film that really kind of ticks me off. She meets a guy they all go out drinking one night at this bar and she gets like just absolutely wasted and like sings a song on like the stage and like makes eye contact with this guy in the bar. And then like Nelson, Nelson. Yeah. And then like, it turns out, Oh, they've been dating and then they get married and she doesn't finish out the season, which like, I'm sure. I mean, no, that doesn't make sense because there's other married players. So it's not like it's like being a teacher in the forties where it's like, Oh, you're married. Gotta go. Like I, it makes me really mad that the character who's like established as being like one of the best players. Yeah. Doesn't get to like, it's, see it it's out. weird. It's weird because they like, they use Marla to show you the, we're, we're looking for pretty players, but then you have to fight the corner, get her onto the team. Like they use her to show that story, but then they explicitly prohibit any kind of like they make it really explicit that she's not part of the queerness kind of journey energy of the movie it's like it's a very very odd moment that moment when she starts singing to the dude at the bar yeah well it sort of like turns what seems to be this arc of like because it's not only she's awkward she's really shy and it's like what should be her finally getting to like do the thing that she's amazing at and like find confidence and grow as a person kind of becomes and that means she gets to get married and not play baseball anymore. Yeah, it's quite weird. I, and I wasn't expecting that at all because, again, every little thing was a surprise to me. So I was like, oh, I get the story of this woman. Like, this is going to be like, she's awkward looking, but it doesn't matter because she's like very talented and she's about to find this community and it's all good. And then she's like a very, very small character. And then this like hysterical out of character moment of like this drunk singing to this man who is also kind of awkward and I feel like the story they're trying to tell is like look at these two awkward boobs finding each other (laughs) and then you know and it's like there's someone for everyone even Marla as long as you get out of town and play some baseball yeah exactly like there's yeah and I mean it's her dad has a weirdly touching moment with her. I texted mm-hmm. you about it because I was like, this is quite beautiful because she's from like absolute, like one horse podunk nowhere. And like the, the, she's really scared when they're about to take her on the train and she's like, I'm not going to know anyone. And her dad is like, listen, Marla, nothing is ever going to happen here. You've got to go somewhere where things happen. And it's like a really tender, sweet moment. And then it feels like, yeah, she's going to have this whole journey. And then instead, two seconds later, she gets wasted at a bar called the Suds Bucket, sings to an (laughs) awkward stranger. And then what feels like moments later, they're sort of riding off into the sunset together. And I think it's supposed to be touching because it's like, you know, the, the, the triumph of the awkward boobs. But instead, it's just like, where did her journey go? Yeah, it's like the triumph in the form of like, we know what you all really want is to see all these girls meet nice men and settle down, which is also kind of what the framing device functions to do, which is like, don't worry, they all got married. And that's shorthand for them having had happy lives. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, well, I know we'll get to it, but because we sort of branched off from Kit just because of the whole like, you know, the girls have to look a certain way thing. But like Mm -hmm. the, the major question over hanging the whole thing is that thing of Dottie's Dottie's arc Dottie's choices yeah Dottie Dottie Dottie's love for Bill Pullman etc which I guess is like in a some way in a funny way it's like that is why another reason Kit is so queer feeling is because like she is the foil to Dottie and like sees herself explicitly in competition with Dottie in every way and everyone else sees them that way too and when Dottie's arc is so defined by her marriage and by her 
kind of, yeah, like on the one hand, her marriage, her sort of vibes that are maybe romantic with the coach, Jimmy, like, yeah, that Kit, Kit part of Kit's thing is like, she can't have those that. things either. She's not good at yeah. that either, is the sort of implication. She's not as good at Dottie as Dottie at anything. Yes. Including yeah. perhaps heterosexuality. Yeah. 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 I think that is part of it. I think that is part of it. And they are set up as an opposition in every way. And I mean, like, I don't know. It's the, well, because there isn't a romance to guide us through, it's interesting because what we have instead, I guess, is a conflict and it's set up as such like domestic regular life versus this adventure of Mm -hmm. being, being on this team and playing baseball. And except for the coach, Jimmy, who really only has a relationship with Dottie in the movie, you know, except for very casually with others. um, Mm -hmm. It's a single sex environment. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that a lot in terms of like boy movies, but it's interesting because it is that with women. It's like, would they go on tour together and go on, like they live in a bus in a house together on tour. And it's a very, like, it's that thing. It's, you know, it's what we get instead of prep school movies, I suppose. But like, it is, it is that energy. And so it's like the conflict between this like single sex environment, this like adventure about being talented and good at something versus this, like the pull of the rest of your life where some of them are already married and some of them will be, you know, of like having a domestic like existence. And Gina Davis says really early in the movie, it's when Kid is trying to convince her to go. Like when mm-hmm. the scout has invited her and, and then she's gotten him to invite Kid as well. She's like, uh, Kid is sort of haranguing Dottie and is like, you have to, you have to, like, it's so great. And um, really early in the movie, Gina Davis says, I'm married, I'm happy, it's what I want. Let's not confuse things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's so early, I was like, wow, this is deeply suspect. <laughs> Which is such a contrast to... The line that just, like, I never really noticed when I was younger now to me feels like the crux of, like, Dottie's arc, especially, is contrasted mm. with Kit, is, like, the thing she says to Jimmy when she's leave, she's going to leave with her husband is he's like, you know, you are so good. You clearly love this. Like, what are you doing? And she says, it just got hard. And that is so, I mean, just for Dottie as a character, I'm like, of course, the person who's been good at everything her entire life isn't used to things being difficult. Mm-hmm. But that contrast yeah. between like things are simple and then yeah. things introducing the idea of baseball gets hard and returning yeah. to marriage will simplify things again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like that thing of let's not confuse things. And then later it just got hard. It's like that's so that's my question that I still and I'm going to keep asking it that that I still don't know, having only seen it once is what the framing device does to tell us about how old Dottie feels about the choices that young Dottie made, you know, of this thing of like, cause she starts her, it's her daughter who's trying to convince her at the beginning in the framing device to go to the thing. And she doesn't want to, she's really reluctant. She's like, I don't want to go. Well, and, and also- I haven't, yeah. No, sorry, you keep going. No, no, it was just the thing of like, I haven't, you know, she, her excuses are bullshit, you know? It's like, I haven't seen, you know, any of them in years or whatever. But then the one that I remember is the daughter's like, but you loved it so much and it was so important. And in the beginning of the frame, Dottie says, um, it was just something I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And later, I think in the, I think it may be the latter half of the opening, the opening frame or the ending frame, I don't remember which, mm-hmm. she kind of is like, I only did it for one year. I think it's when she's giving excuses to her daughter. She's like, I don't really deserve, like, I'm not part of yeah. this. I did it so briefly. Like, I'm not really truly part of this community or this, like, thing that happened. Yeah. Which is interesting as well. hmm Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, just, there's yeah. more to get into, but that's one of the things. It's just a big question that I have. It is, I mean, I think part of the reason I hate the framing device is because I don't think it's actually artistically doing any good work to answer that question I think it's doing something else that's more boring yeah. that's just like hey everybody this yeah. historical event you've never heard of matters <laughs> yeah but I think that that's still a really qu- I think that's an interesting question to kind of like keep probing at as we continue discussing because I think yeah that, I mean and like to return <laughs> as we do sometimes to the theme song um the sort of like <laughs> power ballad that plays over the closing credits which I had on like LimeWire when I was 11 you know um or whatever it was we used (laughs) master um don't don't come arrest me uh 
<laughs> it's the like sort of tenor of that song and also of the sort of like peppy little like actual song that they sing in the their little like oh. we're the members of the all-american all league. Like, league yeah yeah both of them are sort of about like we are part of a special group and even though and the kind of tone of the ending one is like this only lasted for a minute but it was yeah. amazing yeah yeah there's something a little bit wistful and kind of weird about the whole because if i don't know there's there's something a little bit sad generally about the way that baseball the all-american league the way that this thing functions as like a microcosm of look at this brief moment in the 40s when america needed women and so let them do stuff mm -hmm. and then, and then later not so much like you know and then when the men came back the league, like, you know, it lasted a couple of years and then it was done or whatever. Like the whole, mm -hmm. the whole energy of like this moment mattered, but it was just a moment and it's over, you know, like that mm -hmm. whole the celebration of like, look at this cute thing that your moms and grandmas got to be part of, you know, I don't know. There's something. Yeah, that's it really, I do. Annoying that way. Yeah. And I feel like that really is something that feels so undermining about the framing device in that way of like, it doesn't allow it to be an experience that shaped their lives, even though yes. like conceivably it was. And sort of within just the forties frame, you yeah. feel like Kit is going to be okay as a person yes. now because yes. this happened. She may be yeah. like, there's this, I mean, like one of my favorite kind of scenes is like her and Dottie get into this like fight on the Pit, you know, Dottie yeah. is like de facto coach because Jimmy's being drunk and doesn't care. And Dottie takes Kit off because she's pitching really badly. And oh, yeah. Kit like loses it. And there's a scene where Jimmy literally like carries her and she's like screaming like a wild oh, yeah. cat. And he just like throws her into the in shower, shower and turns yeah. the shower on. And she's just like lying on the ground screaming. And you're sort of like, yeah, you might not be okay. Like you can't really function in the world. You're too filled with like rage and you're too sensitive and too, and like just too much. And you get the feeling by the end, you know, when her and Dottie have their kind of last conversation after Kit's team has won the game and she's like, I'm going to keep playing. You're like, she's found her place. And like the fact that it doesn't mm. last needn't undermine no that but yeah as you say the sort of framing device turns it into like, look at all these little old ladies throwing baseballs. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah, something like that. And some just something about how the historical frame pinpoints the brevity of the thing of like, it doesn't get to feel like it was the beginning of something huge. It, it ends up having to feel like it was a brief pocket where these women got to do more than have families. Which and it's it interesting. Was. Like, which it was, but it's interesting because it's like, you know, I, I found that last moment of Kit's kind of journey when she and Dottie say goodbye, when Dottie is going home and Kit is like, keep playing. Like you can come back. And she's like, no, I want to have kids. Like explicitly. <laughs> she's like, no, I want to have children. Like I'm going to go. But like you come back to Oregon and visit us and Kit's like, I'll try. I think I'm actually going to like get a house here and stay with some of the players. And you're like, oh, this is it. This is the sisters diverging. Mm -hmm. But Kit is like happy. And then later at the very end, when you see Kit in the framing device, um, she's surrounded by like an enormous parcel of grandchildren. And she has like eight grandsons or some shit. Mm -hmm. Like it's, she's just like, she's just has a bevy of young people with her and two grown sons. Yeah. And so like, very clearly she went on to have a heterosexual marriage and a million kids, you right. know? And so she's like the matriarch of this clan of boys. Right. And, and, and then like her sort of moment ends with them being like, grandma, is that you? And she says, yes. Like looking at a picture of herself. Yeah. And it's just not, it, it, it it's really frustrating. Like, I guess it's good yeah. historical storytelling in a way, but like it's, bad like character storytelling just yeah. because the league only lasted for like you know what six or seven years at yeah absolute most like even if we say like okay kit played for four years and then went and got married and had 77 babies this can still be the most important moment of her life and i feel yeah. like the movie doesn't quite let us feel like that is true yeah, maybe that's what it, it maybe that's what it lacks it's just a sense a sense of like this was the thing yeah you know? and like this was the again it's like finding this community let her sort of be comfortable with herself as a person and exist yeah. as a human yeah yeah i think that's it 
So it's interesting because it gives, it gives, a, it gives a little and it takes a little, you know, it sort of walks you forward and then kind of walks you back without yeah. realizing in the character development, which is interesting. Yeah. But yeah. I think you're right though that, I mean, and maybe we can sort of return to this, mm-hmm. uh, is that, yeah, we should keep thinking about sort of what it means for Dottie. Because yes. I think that is the kind of question you're left with at the end of the 40s frame. Because I think, yeah, you as a viewer, everyone, you know, Jimmy says it and Kit says it. Like, we're all like, why? No, play. Yeah, you're so Stay. good. You're yeah. so good and you love it. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing is like her decision to go with her husband, which like makes no sense on so many practical levels. Like who is their catcher? Why can't she just play out these like five more games that she has and then go be with her husband? Like, come on. I know. Um. It's not like a good, she doesn't seem happy about it. Like it feels like a choice she's making from a place of sadness and fear. And like we say, it's a sense of it got hard. Yeah. And I think like Jimmy says, like, fuck that. Like, I mean, but you know, it's like, that's ridiculous. That's, you don't quit because things are hard. And of course it's part of his kind of arc of like, he's a massive twat at the beginning and is like, (laughs) girls don't count. And the guys who manage the team or who like own the team, you know, are like, take you know their ball players like take care of them and then jimmy who you know is a like a great player who can't play anymore himself because of an injury also sidebar if i don't say this now i'll forget to say it it's the literal exact same story as the coach invented like beckham he is hired to come in because he was a great player who can't play anymore because of a knee injury. It is the literal same. It's the same injury. And it's the same story. It's the same injury. And it's the same arc of, um, I mean, Jimmy starts further back. Like he's more of a dick in the beginning, but it's the same arc of them wanting to be involved in the legitimate game, what they perceive to be the legitimate game again. And then at the end, being offered an opportunity to manage a men's team and then instead in a gesture of like no i validate the ladies like staying with the women's team and mm-hmm. and staying in that job instead it's the exact same it is. story i do i mean maybe this is disloyal i do think a league of their own does it better yeah. not just because tom hanks is a better actor yeah no offense jonathan reese myers but also because it's that is foregrounded as an arc more like we never really understand what has happened to jonathan reese myers that suddenly he respects women's football except for that he's now dating jess right (laughs) whereas the fact that this one avoids the sort of romance which i i hadn't watched this movie for a couple years and then i rewatched it like a year or two ago like for the first time in a while and i had remembered the Dottie and jimmy relationship as being romantic yeah it's just energy they don't do it they don't and i think that's really nice yeah it's like subtle and elegant and like feels really real yeah and it feels like it's about respect because jimmy's arc is about i don't respect these players i don't respect the game i don't i don't i don't like respect what they're doing and then by the end he's so far in it and like so with it with them that he's the one telling her like you can't quit you're a ball player yeah like a, like a real one, you know? Yeah. And like, that's the whole thing. And she even walks away from that. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It is it wild. Is. But I think let's, let's dive a little more into what the sort of world of the team is. And then maybe yes. that will help us kind of like unpick what it is that Dottie is leaving behind. Yes. Please. Um, Cause I'm still, yeah. Cause I feel like what we're trying to work out here is like, is Dottie kind of part of the queer vibe or is she the rejection of it? Like what is her mm-hmm. relationship to that? Aside yes. from being Gina Davis at her most gorgeous. It's astounding. It's just like, how <laughs> dare you? Well, it's like one of those casting things where it's like, you've got Tom Hanks who like one of his great things is like, he looks like a normal human. Yeah. You've got Lori Petty who looks like a normal human. And then you just yeah. have like movie star Gina Davis. And they're like, oh, but we put some dirt on her face and her hair is kind of frizzy. It's like when they put Jude Law in glasses in the holiday and you're like, I'm sorry, are we supposed to make think this yeah. makes him look like a dad? This is the thing. Some people are just like preternaturally beautiful. And like, if you have Gina Davis's like eyes, hair, and cheekbones, you just like also height, insane height. Yeah. I always forget how tall she is, but they make it a point. They mention it a lot in the League of Their Own. Yeah. Well, because it's part of what makes her really good. Yeah, she's so tall. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like I can't see I can't watch Douglas Booth in movies because he doesn't mm-hmm. look like a human. He looks like a model. And anytime he, I'm asked <laughs> to believe he's anything but an actor or a model, I it strains yeah. my disbelief past a point where I can continue to like believe in the movie. 
I know it's incredible. That's why, I mean, Jude Law, friend of the pod, uh, is a good, <laughs> is, is a good uh, sort of dude, like analogy to that because yeah. any anytime Jude Law is in anything where his job isn't just to be stunning, it's just sort of like, what are you doing here? Which, to be fair, it usually is. And I, I mean, mean, and again, yeah. it works in this as well because it is like people talk about it in the way that you would yeah. if you were in a community where one of the people in it was <laughs> Gina Davis and everyone else was normal humans. It's really, it's just inappropriate. But also, one of the people in this movie is Madonna. Also gorgeous. Yes, Madonna so. and Rosie O'Donnell playing the like sort of crass, like mm. New York best friends they yeah. were born to play. Yeah, just like this straight-talking duo. Um, May, who is Madonna, is a taxi dancer, and Rosie was a bodyguard at the venue. And, I mean, we said Where they met, owned by Rosie's father. Owned by Rosie's father. I mean, and, like, I think there is one couple in this movie, and yes, it's Doris and May. Yes, it is. It As soon as they appear as a duo, because like you meet them as a duo, they track through the film as a duo. And listen, I've never shipped anything harder. Like I just, fe- I just feel like it makes, it makes so much sense. Like yeah. I love it. I love The sexy it. kind of slutty dancer and her like burly protective girlfriend <laughs> slash bodyguard bouncer. They're both so funny in it too. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. really good. They're really good. I was like, one of, again, there's so many surprises. It was just surprises around every corner for me. I was just like, damn, this is some pretty real acting, Madonna. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Like, I mean, very yeah. good. They both have their little moments. Madonna, when they think the league is going to fold. And she's oh. just like, I can't go back. I mean, and again, yeah. I feel like they are characters for whom, again, until the sort of framing device kind of messes with it, you get the sense, again, that like, this is the most, I mean, I think we're sensing a pattern of the types of characters for whom you're like, oh, this is not just something they did. This is the most important thing they've ever done. And yeah, like Madonna has this speech where she's just like, I can't go back. I can't go back to dancing and men pawing at me and like no one respecting me. And Rosie as Doris kind of has another moment where she's been dating this horrible guy who treats her like shit, who we never meet. We never meet really any of the boyfriends or husbands except for um, Dottie's. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Um, And there's this moment where she's just like, she like rips up his picture and like throws it out the bus window. And it's just like, I don't, I thought that I didn't deserve anything. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I deserved to be treated like shit. And now I know that that's not true. I deserve yeah. someone who's good to me. That's a gorgeous moment when she rips up the photo and throws it out of the bus. And it's really good, like understated acting. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. They're both really good in it. They are. Yeah. And the, yeah, they're definitely, I mean, just energy wise, like that's, that's where you hang your hat. If you're looking around and you're like, is there anything going on here that's like gay that isn't just baseball? It's Rosie and Madonna. Yeah, I mean, and sure. they both they both are shown like when at this wild scene where like they go um, dancing and get wasted. Like Madonna's oh, dancing with a hundred so men. And there's this sort of little thread that begins of these guys, like Rosie Doris develops like this fan club of guys who like come to the games, like wave at her and like give her gifts. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And she's super disoriented by it, which is so great. I loved that as a thing where they just like, they're like, they call her number. Yeah. And she turns to all these guys trying to hand her shit. And she's just like, ugh. Yeah. It's really funny. I loved that. Yeah. (laughs) Number 22, number 22. And she's like, she's like, she does the most, she points herself. She's like, me? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And they like hand her some like flowers or chocolates or something. Yeah, but, she's just like, no. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, for them, it is very much like they never escape heterosexuality. And they definitely like and explicitly never escape like the male gaze, if we can use that phrase, which I don't really like. <laughs> because they are always being literally watched by men and like the bulk of the kind of crowds that you see are men mm-hmm. which yes. again kind of feels like giving into this idea that like oh this is legit because guys watched it it's not like yeah. girls went and watched a bunch of girls play like they had men yeah yeah and the thing is like i don't know that's a little bit something that sort of shadows the whole story is that it's obviously the team is owned by men coached mm-hmm. by men and then it like bend it like beckham you have that kind of you know 11th hour like we validate the sport because the former like male, you know, superstar of the sport is like, nope, but I'm going to stay and coach the girls because mm-hmm. I think they're real. You know, you're <laughs> just sort of like, thank you so much, Jimmy, the taker of the longest piss in the world. Well, like, then, 
Yeah. And then it's the idea, I mean, like aside from like the makeover montage, it's also like in the kind of halfway through conflict where it's like the league might fold and they're like, we got to do what we can. It's like what they use is their like feminine wiles. They're like, Ooh, catch a, catch a foul ball, get a kiss. And like yeah. Dottie ends up on the cover of life magazine. Cause she like does the splits as she catches like a fly ball. And like, there's Helen, the like really beautiful blonde, yeah. like, you know, kisses. So, you know, it's like very much about like, look, we're really beautiful and feminine. And, and also, as a party trick, can play baseball. Yeah, and, like, it's sort of, like, Dottie, Helen, and May that are, like, the vanguard of that yeah. um, effort. And it's very much, like, okay, we can make ourselves appealing in that way if that mm-hmm. is what will allow us to keep playing. Yeah, it's really interesting, that kind of transactional sort of femininity of, like, I'd like to stay on the road, so, you know, yeah, wear the short uniform, like, you know, do the splits in the outfield, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's just an odd... I mean, and they go... No, go for it. I was going to say that the one example to the contrary that made me think when you said that about, you know, the crowds are men and it's mostly about men, is the little girls that Kit is talking to at the very end. Mm-hmm. Who, who, when Kit wins the game and, you know, sort of question mark, did Dottie kind of let her have it or did, or is it a genuine, you know, whatever. But like that big victory at the end when Kit basically wins the World Series, mm-hmm. um, these little girls with their moms, like kids are um, in the kind of, you know, like they're, they're asking for her autograph and stuff and she's signing them and she says to a little girl, like, do you want to be a ball player when you grow up or something? And the little girl like nods and it's really cute. Mm-hmm. And that sticks in my head as a kind of, it's interesting that it's Kit who gets to have that moment with like girl children mm-hmm. who are like of hers and of the game. Yeah, the sort of the next generation yeah. that will never be. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it's a weird, but again, it's like, and you also get the contrast of like, you texted me and you were like, how could you possibly like play baseball in these skirts? And then there is like the scene where like someone like lifts up her skirt to show this like monstrous bruise, like all down her thigh from sliding. And like, you know, it's both, it's both the like, I can do the splits and catch this ball. And then like in sort of scenes you see like, you know, the Dottie's fingers are constantly all bandaged and like, they're yeah, all like it's also spitting like super and, gnarly. Yeah, it like it doesn't, it's, it, I think we, as you say, it's transactional and it sort of like shows the kind of grit and work that is underpinning the kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. fine, we'll put on this veneer because what yes. we actually want to do is play. And that is yeah. a acceptable sacrifice to make. Totally. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Also, because I watched on Amazon Prime, uh, when you scroll your like mouse over Prime, sometimes it pulls up those hilarious general trivia things. Oh my God. Where yeah. It, like shows you stuff. So um, I happened to like scroll uh, at a moment in the movie where it was like general trivia. All of the bruises shown on the actors are real. <laughs> from 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 filming from playing that's amazing all of the injuries are genuine they're just on the actors just that monstrous like thigh bruise i think so i mean it said all yeah i thought you'd like that it was just the fact that it was i mean i don't like like these actors are being getting the shit kicked out of them but yeah but they actually had to film playing baseball in those uniforms and they got cut to shit and bruised over the course of filming yeah oh my goodness that's great. It, it is. is. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting, like, speaking, that reminds me, of course, of the, like, sort of Bend It Like Beckham anecdote about the actress's yeah. burn on her leg, which she, like, worked into the movie. Right. Um, and I think that this show, I mean, like, it's an inevitable comparison. Yes. Unfortunately. And we're looking, I mean, we've got some movies coming up, actually, that are finally, like, queer women that aren't sports movies yes we're, we're stepping out of sports very soon um but it is like you know we sort of have we, since we've talked about them both we have to draw the comparison but i do think that this movie does a lot better job of a showing like the work of playing baseball yes um and like what it is they're actually good at and what they actually do mm-hmm. and like we get a much clearer sense of like why Dottie is a leader and like what leadership looks like yeah. In this sort of context, as opposed to like yeah. Jules, so you're sort of like, are you like, what is your deal really? And also, I think <laughs> that it's like, because it's more of an ensemble piece, you get much more the sense of like, it's not just about like, embedded like Beckham, it's like, this is how Jess and Jules meet. And it's a thing yeah. they have in common. And it's a thing that they love. This is much more like, what is it like to be 
on the community mm-hmm. that on is a team. A team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and like, that's like the thing that, you know, I mean, like, uh, uh, Megan Rapino, the, mm-hmm. uh, if, if it bears stating, the uh, <laughs> player for the U.S. women's national soccer team has said, you know, it was going to college and playing on a team in college that like was how I re- me and my sister both realized we were gay. Like, it is, you kind of enter that environment and there is like a sense of, I mean, I think that's why we keep talking about sports movies because it's space yeah. again, like the boys' school. It's what we get instead. Other priorities get taken away and you're allowed yes. to sort of like feel things for other girls and focus on the things that aren't about that kind of presentational, like I could do the splits and catch a, a fly ball. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's because even though, even if the audience is male, they don't, they're just, they don't matter. Like no. they're not, they're not really a part of your social world. Your social world is all of the other women on this bus. Exactly. I mean, and that's why it's so interesting. Yeah. That the husbands are so relentlessly sidelined and the sort of like intrusion of this telegram that, you know, one of the women receives in the most like, Ugh, I'm like, I, 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 I find it difficult to believe that the army at this point in the world would be this bad at this. It's really a gnarly moment. <laughs> like, they're yeah. so inept and clumsy about it. And, like, they're like, oh, well, we're, 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 and, like, finally just, like, Jimmy, like, rips the telegram out of their hands and is like, leave. I will deliver it. Like, and yeah. then her husband has died. And, like, it's this really sort of shocking moment because you've kind of, like, forgotten that the husbands exist. Yeah. Well, because it's that weird thing about the 40s of, like, obviously the extreme, like, stress and trauma and weirdness of – the war being on is what has allowed this moment to take place. Like none mm-hmm. of the good, none of the good stuff that the movie is about would be happening if the men were all still in America. Yeah. It's sort of become a world without men, except for exactly. all of the men who are like running and watching <laughs> this league. Inexplicably. Yes. Most old and terrible uh, yeah. or, you know, or too young. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's really, yeah. So it's like, it's much more, and then, like, I think that's really what you see in May and Doris's arc. It's like, not only are they clearly girlfriends of each other. Oh, yes. It's clear that, like, entering this space is one that has, like, allowed them to shed their really toxic relationships with men that, like, you feel have been, you know, just, like, holding them back and, like, making their lives worse in every way. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that it's, it's inescapable that when we talk about the freedom of it, like the freedom of this adventure that they get to have, like a huge part of the freedom is not having to take care of men and like not, not having men around to need things from them. Which is another sort of interesting character is Evelyn who has a son who ends up having to bring her horrible son on the road because she's like, oh, his dad doesn't, his dad won't look after him. It's basically like my husband is so goddamn useless. Yeah. He won't watch our kid. Yeah. And the kid is dreadful. The kid's the worst. (laughs) But it is this like very, once again, it's like this intrusion of like whenever the husbands come too close to the story, bad shit happens. Seriously. The intrusion of this telegram is bad and horrible and sad. And like, we didn't need to be reminded like, oh damn, now we have to remember that husbands exist because they're off dying. And that's- very sad, but also very, like, it brings down the mood. And then yeah. it's also like, and now we're stuck with this little shit because, again, the kid like, a husband like, exists and has caused a problem. And, and then, won't do his job. Yeah. And then Dottie's husband comes and it's like, we're losing our best player and, like, our point of view character. And, like, this is yeah. also bad. It's like, anytime, We're losing the star of the movie. <laughs> anytime we're forced, forced to kind of, like, be aware of the existence of husbands, like, bad things follow. Yeah. And you know, what's weird about it is, um, you know, I know I mentioned this uh, to you after having seen it is like the weirdest thing about friend of the pod, Bill Pullman, um, in this movie is that he is such a non-entity, such a benign non-entity as a character going mm-hmm. back and back and back to the Dottie question. I find it so interesting that, cause thinking about, you know, sort of cliche storytelling stereotypes that would fit into this universe and how movies do things. I was like, oh, we haven't met the husband for so much of the movie. Mm-hmm. Surely part of the conflict will be that he is like in some way a dick that is going to cramp her style or whatever, or like that he is going to have a problem with her playing baseball and that he is going to need her to come home. What's epically weird about the Bill Pullman character is that he's like incredibly sort of 
benign and kind and a non-entity and he shows up and does nothing like to get in her way it's just the fact of him like i thought you know because like i thought maybe he would be actively a stoppage to the plot but instead he doesn't have to do anything he just has mm-hmm. to come back from the war and she decides that she wants to go home to oregon and have children with him on a dairy farm and yeah. like she chooses to do it and that's why it's complicated it, it's not that he makes her if he made her do it we would know how to feel about it yeah i mean and i think it's you know i think it's really cool and under I hate historical dramas where like all of the good characters think the way that we think and all of the bad characters think in regressive ways. And like, it's really exciting to have a character who either because she genuinely wants to, or because she's too afraid Mm -hmm. to not be perfect Dottie anymore. Yeah. Makes the kind of regressive choice. And obviously that wouldn't be possible if Bill Pullman came in and was like, Dottie, you can't go play in that baseball anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. Love that. That was great. Yeah, um, how, well, I mean, that is how he would talk if you were that character. Like we, that's right. We know this. We do know this from long experience of lesser films. But yeah, yeah I mean, the thing is just like, it, it's, it's only complicated because she does it herself because she, she chooses to not play baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it feels tied in with like, the question of does she let the ball go yeah it does a bit does she decide that this is kit's world and not hers exactly is she sacrificing something or is she too afraid to fight for something she thinks she can't win Mm -hmm. i think that's it exactly i think that's the question that's a nice way of framing it it's just like I, you know, it's funny. I hadn't actually considered the idea that maybe she did let the go the ball go on purpose I never thought of it until I was, until I watched it when I was like older and was yeah. like, oh, does she? Like, cause we don't see her face when it happens. We don't, we just see the hand release. Yeah. And it kind of looks like almost an intentional release, which is obviously mm-hmm. I think partly practical because it's a close up, And so clearly like yeah. you had to kind of stage it. The way like, they shot it. Yeah. It does a little bit look like she lets go. Ooh, that's fascinating. So yeah, I mean, and also though, in that scene, she's present, Gina Davis, she walks into the like, I guess like locker room. I don't know what things are. Yeah. Um, she, she walks yes, into the room where the lockers are. Thanks, Jared. Thank you. I don't know. I say as if I ever played a sport. I actually played a lot of sports. I just, uh, not for long and was bad at them. <laughs> that's still more, probably more than I did. I um, mean, my softball team was undefeated. So. Hey, listen, that's, you know, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I never played anything with a bat because I would have killed others and myself. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> it really would have been bad news. Um, yes. In that, <laughs> in that last moment, um, when the kids are like, you know, uh, being fans for kid and asking for her autograph and stuff, Gina Davis is like in the corner listening and sort of wistfully packing up. And then they have this scene where they make it clear what they're each going to do. Mm-hmm. And like, it does feel, I feel like it fits with the storytelling that Gina Davis is doing. That energy of like, no, I want you to have this. You have mm-hmm. it. I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really sad in a certain kind of way, but makes it interesting. Yeah. I mean, Kit certainly needs it more. She does because she has no other place in the world. Yeah. And as we kind of see, I mean, and I think that's what kind of what's so grim about the framing device is like oh they all took different paths to end up at the same place like you don't really get to feel that like oh this changed things even though like it did I don't know I mean like that's what the sort of like homogeneity of like the lives they go on to lead which I think is like maybe part of the point it's trying to make about like oh this like you know like Camelot like this one bright moment but like (laughs) it's in fact gay Camelot yeah I mean it is gay Camelot oh my god (laughs) Um, that will be the incredibly misleading title of this episode. Um, (laughs) no, (laughs) that'll be the hashtag and we'll just let people wonder why. Um, yeah, I mean, I still don't know how to feel about it. We've talked about it and talked about it and I still don't know how to feel about it. I mean, at the very end, she may be on purpose or maybe by accident loses to Kit and then Kit gets all of the sort of adulation and like being in the center of the victory that Dottie would have had. Yeah. And she says, I want to go have children. 
And she like gets into a car with, you know, unseen Bill Pullman and goes off and does that. And then at the end is like an elegant older lady looking at all of these like portraits of herself as a young woman doing these things and like reconnecting with her friends. And they're like, oh, Dottie, it's you. Like, and they welcome her back. Like there isn't, if she was self-conscious about only being there for a short time, like they don't make her feel that way. Like it's still very welcoming and lovely. And I just sort of, when I first watched it, I was like, is this, is the story, is the film trying to tell us, like, is part of the framing device supposed to be, don't worry, she had a good life anyway? Yes, I think so. I think that's absolutely what we're supposed to take from, like, don't worry, Kit has 78 children. Like, she still found a man. Well, and like, and like, uh, and Gina Davis had a good life anyway, like Dottie had a good life anyway, like even though she, she, because that was my thing that I texted you as a joke, but also not as a joke of like, is the moral that even benign heterosexuality ruins your dreams? Like, what is the moral? I mean, but I do think that like moral or not, that is kind of what happens. Like, again, it's this idea that every time the husband sort of like enter the orbit of the league, it is bad. It, it adds nothing. It benefits no one. Like, husband dies and that's horrible and sad. We're saddled yes. with this fucking child. And Dottie doesn't play child. anymore because her husband's back. And she feels this pull of duty, yeah. fear, a mix. Whatever I mean, it's it is. fascinating and ambiguous. It's ambiguous. And I just, I feel like all we know is that whatever it is, the two paths feel incompatible to her. Mm-hmm to her. And that's the thing is just, she can't, uh, intertwine them. It's either this or this. She doesn't, you know, it's some, she can't be bi. She either has to go be straight with her husband or go hang out with all the lesbian baseball players. This film is bi erasure. (laughs) This film is bi erasure. It's like some, yeah, exactly. League of Their Own is narrative bi erasure. (laughs) You heard it here first. But I mean, or, you know, it's the problem of bisexuality of like, as long as you're monogamous, you can't do both at once, you know? Right. There's always a part of your identity that is being suppressed and open for misinterpretation by people who are just looking from the outside. So maybe it's bi representation. Or is it by representation in an, inc- in a, an incredibly subtle, so subtle no one's ever noticed but us <laughs> way? <laughs> like a very conflicted way. But it's like, yeah, no, either she goes and be and is a farm wife on the dairy farm and no one realizes that she was a lesbian baseball player or she's a lesbian baseball player and no one realizes it. Like, no, no, she could have been happy with a man too. Or could she? Or could she? <laughs> My God. Yeah. Yeah. We well, got somewhere- we, we got somewhere weird, but I like it. We made the question into a better, weirder question. <laughs> is, it, is it by erasure or by representation? <laughs> because I think, I mean, I think that like not to like get overly simplistic about it, but like I, is what we're saying that once your sort of one path of opposition is go be a straight lady who's the perfect woman who everyone in town thinks is doing everything right or not that. Looks great milking a cow. (laughs) Yeah, like, is the not that already implicitly queer? Yes. I think that's the thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. Because, frankly, for, I mean, for a movie, it's, it's notable, as we said at the beginning, that this movie is on all, like, films for gay girls, you know, lists. <laughs> and it's sort of like, yeah, but all we have are Rosie and Madonna, like, you know, sort of loving each other in the background, you know. And it's interesting. I think that that opposition is what we're all talking about. That thing of, like, you're either this very hot, straight dairy woman, or <laughs> or if you're, yeah, if, you're, if you choose to be something else, is this something else in- inherently gay? I think yes. I mean, I think yes. I think in this context when it's about, well, so you're not going to get married. You're going to live in this sort of world where men are always kind of peripheral. Even though they are present, they kind of aren't allowed in. You live in this house together. You travel together. And you have these like incredibly deep, profound relationships with other women that like the presence of men only ever disrupts. Yeah. We didn't write the movie. That's just what it is. That is just <laughs> what it is. And then you sort of, you know, graduate from college and think nostalgically of all those times that you made out with a girl at a party. And <laughs> 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 and 
And then in the framing device, you tour those places with, <laughs> with your old friends thinking about, yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on, I'm still stuck on, is it by erasure? <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, Dottie does love her husband. Like it's Bill Pullman. He's fine. It's Bill Pullman. Who's totally fine. That's the thing is. It's, although it's funny because he is, because he is a, of course, and it's a similar era to Newsies. So I mean, it's, a, it's like 50 years later, but it's a no, similar, no, no. It's a similar Bill Pullman. Oh, it's a okay. Similar, yes. It's, it's like within a year or two, it's vintage Bill Pullman. Yes, so it's like, it's, it's that he looks so identical to how he looks in Newsies. It was honestly disorienting to me because I was like, all <laughs> No, I know. I was like, our man Denton, all I want is for Bill Pullman to rock up and be like, I'm a newspaper man, David. I've got to have a paper to write for. Um, which is not what he says in this movie, but he could have. He could have, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, it, I guess in some ways, the other thing that makes that conflict feel queer is because they avoid the really obvious romance with Jimmy. So yeah. the symbolic question, because I feel like that's what love triangles are great for, right? Is like you choose right. the two guy. I mean, this is like the, the Hunger Games one. It's like you choose PETA, who is symbolic of safety and a future that is traumatized, but sort of like forward looking. Or you choose Gail, who is like the emblem of the past before all of the horrible things happened. And maybe you can go back to that if you just get with him. And like those, <laughs> that is like the symbolic conflict. And like the two guys represent those things. And like, yeah, that's what love triangles are great for. And it avoids associating baseball explicitly with you could maybe leave your mm-hmm. husband and go be with Jimmy. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, it sort of doesn't let that world be emblematized by a heterosexual relationship. No, it doesn't because what Jimmy's actually connected to is whether or not you're a real ball player, which is interesting because he mm-hmm. is a real ball player and he legitimizes her game. Mm-hmm. And that's their thing is that he's like that their relationship is like a respect relationship. And so what's weird about her walking away from Jimmy, I would posit is that it feels like walking away from the symbol of the fact that you're actually quite good at this. Yeah. So it's like this guy said you were great at it and you're going to leave anyway. Yeah. You know? That's but, interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's just such an easy and obvious choice to make. Like, I feel like if there was ever a remake of this, they would yeah. make them yeah, romantic. Because again, like that is just the super, super easy symbolic choice. Do you choose your husband or do you choose the other guy? Do you choose yeah. life in Oregon or do you choose baseball life? Right. And it's, yeah, I think that there's something really, again, we've said it a hundred times, like exciting and kind of original and great, but also it allows the baseball to be solely symbolic, like kind of symbolized as a Mm -hmm. queer failing world with only women. It's not about you get to have one type of heterosexual love here. It's like you get the world with no heterosexual love or you get marriage with a man. (laughs) Marriage with a man? A man person. I realized I probably had to like clarify like because marriage obviously is not blah, blah, blah. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, of course, of course. But yeah. Or is it? Um, But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the, I think that's the deal. It's interesting that, yeah, that the, I think it's, I think it makes it better and more complicated that they don't make that choice, which is why all of this ambiguity ha- is what we've talked about for this long. Yeah. Of better, like, more complicated and more gay. And more gay. More gay. And I feel like we have conclusively proven what other people have already known and everyone already thought which is league of their own it's a pretty gay movie it's pretty gay y'all thank you so much for joining us on this journey to a place you probably already were (laughs) (laughs) if you want to in a sense yeah thanks for standing still in one place with us for an hour (laughs) for an hour if you want to hear some more some some slightly hotter takes you can check out our back episodes on the podcast purveyor of your choice you can also follow us on Instagram. Yes, you can at This Movie Is Gay Podcast. We look forward to standing still with you soon. <laughs> There's no heterosexuality in baseball. <laughs>